What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Mind Over Macros podcast. As always, I'm your host, Mike Milner. Today, we are going to be discussing how to know if you are eating too little. This is a question that I got recently, and I feel like is something that comes up pretty frequently. I'll get DMs. Hey, can you check my macros? Do these numbers seem right to you? And as much as I stress that the numbers themselves aren't all that important. And what I mean is that it doesn't need to be exact. And it, by definition, is a imperfect tool that we utilize when it comes to macros. It's an imperfect tool. You can't be exact. Even if you think you're hitting your macros to the gram every single day, there is a margin of error. So it's an imperfect measurement. It just is to get us in the vicinity, close enough to start seeing some progress. But inevitably, I always get the question, hey, can you check these numbers? Do these seem right to you? I think more importantly, when it comes to this conversation, it's understanding the fact that calorie and macro calculators are wildly inaccurate. <laughs> and I, I, shouldn't, I shouldn't say that as a generalization. What happens is you can go on to seven different websites and put in your projected macro, like type in all of your information and they'll spit out some numbers and you'll get seven different numbers. And that's confusing. So that's why I think this conversation needs to be had, not to tell you that there's some perfect macro formula for you, but more so to understand how do we sift through the confusion. Before I break that down, you can help me out a little bit first and foremost. And you should know what to do by now, but I'm going to reiterate it one more time. If you can, leave me a five-star rating and review on iTunes. That is always a super helpful way to bring new eyeballs to the show. Because if somebody finds my show and it's all like one-star ratings, they're not going to listen. But if it's all of your beautiful five-star ratings, they are more likely to listen. I think we're at 4.9. So we need more fives to continue to push that up. Only if you mean it, by the way, only authentic reviews. You can also take a screenshot of the episode and then post it to your stories on Instagram and tag me at coach underscore Mike underscore Milner. Or if you prefer a more personal touch, you can send it via text, email, messenger, DM, whatever. Just take, a, take the link, episode link and send it over to a friend or family member who you think would benefit from this content, especially if they're confused about their macros or if they feel like they might be eating too little. And yes, this goes for the opposite side. If you feel like you might be over-consuming, this will help you as well. But for the most part, the like figuring out if you're eating too much is pretty straightforward. <laughs> uh, you'll see that you're moving in the wrong direction in terms of body fat accumulation. That's a telltale sign. If the scale is just trending up on average, by the way, I don't mean overnight. I mean, on average, over a long period of time, if it's trending up on average, that's usually a pretty good indicator that you are over-consuming. Now, that's not exactly true all the time because there are other things at play that could actually be causing 
the scale to go up or just some like inconsistencies across the board, which might have to do with being overly stressed. It might have to do with, you know, gut health, hormonal profile, under eating, a lot of different things that can come up here. But I think just to keep things simple, you know, if you're looking at the data and uh, your clothes are getting tight, <laughs> your uh, the scale, you know, trend is going in the wrong direction, assuming that your goal is fat loss. So when I say wrong direction, I'm making an assumption that you want it to go down, which might not be the case for some people. And also, if you notice like measurements, pictures, you're looking worse, that sort of thing. So it's, it's pretty straightforward. Under eating is a little bit more complicated because you might be really excited about the scale trending down, but it's unsustainable. So you could be eating 800 calories a day, seeing the scale go down, seeing that your clothes are fitting better and you're all excited, but you're setting yourself up for failure because it's unsustainable and you're going to end up damaging your metabolism, your hormonal profile, your mindset. I don't think a lot of people understand the toll that under chronic under eating and chronic dieting takes on your mind. I would say that it's more damaging mentally than it is physically. Of course, there's the physiological side effects with down regulation of your metabolism, some, you know, thyroid issues, sex hormone issues, gut health issues. Of course, that stuff matters, but psychologically can put you in a, a rough spot. And I'm speaking from experience on that as well. So how do we know? How do we know if we are consuming too little? How do we know that the calorie calculator gave us something to work with? Or how do we sift through seven different calculations giving us seven different numbers? I think I had somebody message me uh, maybe about a week ago and was like, I checked out like four different calculators and I got numbers from 1,400 to 2,200 calories. That is a massive range. Like, what do you just split the difference? What do you, what do you go with? How do you know? So as a starting point, a calorie calculator in general is going to give you an idea of a starting point. Now, my preference is that you start where you're at. And I think that this is another area where people get confused. Sometimes, you know, when we do our, our neurotyping challenge, we have people calculate some numbers and they're like, wait a minute. They start freaking out. They're like, this tells me the calculation says 2,200 calories, but I'm only eating 1,400. How am I going to eat that much? And I'm like, you're, you're not. You're not going to rip the Band-Aid off. You're going to. It gives us a direction, right? It tells us that you should probably be eating more than you are. So now we are going to gradually move in that direction. And that's why I think it's so important to have a starting point. If you don't know what you're eating, get some awareness first before you just blindly go into a calculator. The calculator doesn't know you, doesn't know your body, it doesn't know your life. It's just a formula based off of inputs, based off of age, weight, height, gender, activity level. You know, it's that's it. And it's giving you a number. It doesn't know anything else. So you have to be the one to filter that and use some some common sense to say, well if this calculator is telling me something that seems really far off from what I'm doing, making that giant leap is probably not going to be the most effective strategy. So the first thing is understand what your starting point is and have an I just don't change anything. If you're brand new to this, keep your habits the same and just take inventory. 
Start getting used to using an app like MyFitnessPal. Start getting used to you know paying attention to quantities and food labels and start gaining some awareness and give yourself a learning curve. I mean, so many times people are like, oh, I'm just not good at macros because I tried it once and it was really frustrating. It's like, yeah, I mean, if I tried to pick up a violin right now, I'd be really frustrated too because I have no idea what I'm doing. I wouldn't stop playing after one day of practice and be like, oh, this is so frustrating. I suck at the violin. No, it's brand new. So give yourself a learning curve. Give yourself some grace and some time to develop the skill set to utilize that tool. Macros are a tool in the toolbox. Just like you had to learn how to use a hammer, a screwdriver, all of these things are tools. Macros, are it's the same thing. It's just an instrument that we need to learn how to use. And that doesn't mean that we have to use it forever. I look at it as a temporary intervention to give us some freedom, some direction, some awareness, and then ultimately we can kind of move away from that to more of a intuitive lifestyle approach down the road. So start with, if you're especially if you're new, start with awareness, start playing around with MyFitnessPal, start, um, don't change anything, just take in, and by the way, MyFitnessPal is just one app that I'm familiar with. There's a million others that you can use, but get an idea of what you're consuming. And then if you use a calculator, it's kind of giving you some sort of direction. But again, there's going to be variance across the board. So you don't have to think too hard about like, oh, is this the exact number? You'll know as you start moving towards that number, like my, my recommendation is just pick like one or two calculators and then average them out and kind of use that as a starting point. And that will be your direction. It's kind of like your compass. All right, this is the direction that I need to go. Now, the question becomes, as you're moving in a certain direction, how do you know if you're moving in the right direction? Well, that's where we have to pay attention to what's happening. So the first thing is hunger. Hunger is a biological signal. It's telling you something. Your body is telling you something. I know that in the diet industry, we like to make it seem like hunger is this horrible thing that we should avoid, like ignore at all costs. Like there's some sort of pride in being hungry and not eating. Like, oh, I was so hungry, but I just stuck my fast out because I'm a badass and I just ignored my body because fuck hunger and I don't need to listen to hunger. Now, having said that, hunger is a natural response, it's a signal. It's not an emergency that needs to be handled like ASAP. It is something to be aware of and potentially deal with it. Okay. So understand that there, there's not a like blueprint in handling hunger. It's just something where if you feel that feeling, you should pay attention to it. Then you should decide if you would like to consume. Like, I think that we, we oftentimes live on two ends of the extreme, right? The one extreme is I have to ignore hunger at all costs. I actually heard a coach say that hunger is, we should view that as our body fat leaving our body. Like we should embrace that feeling and not eat food because 
that means when we're really hungry, it means that we're losing body fat. So we should embrace that feeling and keep, keep it going for as long as we can because our body's losing body fat when we're really hungry. Like that is so ass backwards. Talk about a, a surefire way to have no connection to your body and your biological signals. But that's the one extreme. Then the other extreme is like you feel a smidge of hunger and it's like, oh shit, I got to go eat. I'm a little bit hungry. I got to go eat. And you like, it's like a SOS. Let's go handle this signal immediately. And you have no ability to sit with hunger for any length of time. Those are the two ends of the extreme. And as with most things, there's this beautiful middle ground, which is where success often lives. So there is some benefits to being able to feel hunger and not immediately rush to fix the problem. Like you actually can sit with it for a little bit and be like, yeah, you know what? I'm a little bit hungry. That's okay. I have my you know, meal planned out. I know what I'm going to do. I got this covered. No big deal. There's also some benefits to listening to your body and honoring that signal and knowing exactly what it means. Like there's, there's value in being able to sit with hunger and there's value in being able to address the hunger through proper nutrition, right? But if you are constantly hungry, if it is the type of hunger where it actually messes with your day and it consumes your thoughts and it, you, it's like, all right, this is a little bit crazy. I'm, I, I just ate and I'm still hungry. And then I ate more and I'm still hungry. That is typically a massive red flag that you are under eating. Not all the time. Again, this is, I always have to be cautious with the blanket statements. So you guys should always know that it's context dependent. But for the most part, most of the time, if there is persistent hunger present, you are likely under eating. So that can be the first thing that you look at. Now, the challenge here is when you have been chronic dieting or chronic under eating for a really long time, you often lose that hunger signal. So another red flag can be very low calories with almost no hunger. Another red flag. If you are eating a thousand calories, 1200 calories, and you're like really struggling to get that amount of food in because you're just not hungry, massive red flag. There is some metabolic restoration that needs to happen. You have to get that hunger signal back. It is important. And that's a, a huge red flag, which frequently happens with chronic dieters. So that's another thing to keep in mind. The next thing that I would look at, energy levels. I know this is another thing, which is like the badge of honor, right? No days off, beast mode. I'll sleep when I die, all that nonsense. If you are constantly surviving on excessive amounts of coffee and you hit a wall at 2 p.m. every single day and you are fatigued after your workouts and you're just drained and rinsed and your energy is in the tank, massive red flag that you're under eating. You know, at its core, nutrition, food, it's energy, it's fuel. You know, we, our body runs on two different fuel sources. We run on carbs or we run on fats. And then, you know, if we're a little bit <laughs> I got to watch my, be careful with my words here. But if we're a little bit um, adventurous, I'll say, then we can run on ketones, but um, which is basically a derivative of, of fat metabolism. Um, 
So we run on fats, we run on carbs. That's, that's human metabolism, right? So we need food, obviously, for energy. If you are noticing that you're constantly fatigued, if you wake up in the morning and you're struggling to get out of bed and you need like five cups of coffee just to get through the day, and at night you have no energy to play with your kids or have sex with your partner, right? Those are red flags. You should probably take inventory of what you're eating and we might be under consuming in that scenario. Now, as with everything, there can always be other culprits. I'm just saying here are some things to look out for to be aware uh, of potential under eating. So that hunger is number one, energy levels. Um, to go hand in hand with hunger, I should also mention that cravings are another one. Cravings are basically your body's like, we, you know, we're past this hunger point and we need this energy immediately. Typically, typically, uh, because if you think about it with cravings, what do you often crave? You often crave that immediate source of energy, right? It's never broccoli that you're craving. You're usually craving something that's high in sugar, high in fat, high in sodium. Um, it's, it's the immediate energy source that your body's looking for. So that's another one. So hunger, cravings, um, energy levels. And then the next thing that I would look at is sleep quality. A lot of times we don't think about the, the fact that our nutrition and our sleep quality uh, go hand in hand, but absolutely that plays a huge role. Your nutrition plays a huge role in your ability to sleep because think about what happens when you're chronically under eating. You have more stress because being in a deficit is a stressor. So you have elevated cortisol. Cortisol is the energy uh, mobilizer, right? Mobilizes stored energy. So if cortisol is elevated, you're not going to sleep as well, right? We want cortisol to be lowest at, at the time where uh, when we're trying to get ready for bed, we want melatonin to increase. Um, we want cortisol to go down when it's time for bed. So if your nutrition is out of whack, if you're chronically under eating, you might suffer from poor quality sleep. Now there's certain things that we can do with timing, like having more carbs towards the end of the day, last meal of the day, because that's going to increase serotonin. Carbs are also the shutoff valve for cortisol. But even if you have carbs before bed, but you're under eating, it might not be enough to improve. It might help a little bit, but your sleep quality may still be um, interrupted. Now, again, I, I, you know, to repeat that poor sleep is not just related to poor nutrition or, or under eating. There can be other reasons for poor sleep, like if something's going on hormonally or if there's like an abundance of stress, which is why you know, having a, a proper wind down routine is really important because you can start to tease out some of those things. Like if you got a really solid wind down routine and you know you, you do some relaxing activities, you shut down your nervous system and you, you're really like ready for a good night's sleep and you're still struggling, then we might be able to uh, address like that's probably nutrition driven. It's probably not you know stress that's causing it. Um, it's funny I actually mentioned on the. Uh, last video that I did in the Facebook group, how I have this new uh, sleep routine. After dinner, I'll tell Mel that it's time for dessert. And, and the thing that we do for dessert is we use um, Organifi's gold juice and they have a chocolate flavor. So what, what we'll do, and, and I got to give credit to Mel for this one. So she takes uh, almond milk, microwaves it. I think she does like a minute 30, minute 45. 
And then she takes the Organifi Gold Juice, which has reishi, uh, it has turkey tail adaptogens. So, um, and then just some other stuff in there, like amazing ingredients to help you shut down brain activity, calm your nervous system down. So she'll take the Organifi Gold Juice, the chocolate flavor, she'll mix it up in the warm almond milk. It blends really nicely and has this like great chocolatey flavor. And then she'll take True Whip, uh, which I think is just like a lower calorie version of Cool Whip. And she'll put like a little dollop of the True Whip on top, mix it up. And it's like this perfect hot chocolate drink to wind down. It's like just this soothing, you know, kind of, and we call it our dessert, but it's like this soothing drink um, that really helps to just like, all right, that's kind of the sign. Like now it's, it's time to shut down. It's time to start calming the nervous system. Um, and it's, it's been really effective for, for both of us. We like, we, we don't miss it every, every night we have our dessert, our chocolate gold juice every single night. Uh, we never miss a night. So I highly recommend trying something like that to have like more of an established sleep routine. Um, you can get yourself some Organifi gold juice. If you just go to their website, Organifi.com and, and go to um, actually go to Organifi.com slash pop fam. So you can get 20% off. And then you can use code POPFAM um, to make sure that you get the discount. So it's Organifi.com slash POPFAM, O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com slash P-O-P-F-A-M and use code POPFAM at the checkout, uh, wherever that coupon code or promo code, whatever it says in the checkout spot. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the gold juice dessert has been amazing. I also use their their green juice and, and a number of their other products, but um you know, since we're specifically talking about sleep, that has been our go-to wind down routine. But it helps me understand when I'm dialed in with my sleep routine, if it's more nutrition or if it's more stress. And so I can then assess, all right, am I sleeping well? Do I need to, you know, change anything with my nutrition? Do I need to, you know, backload some of my carbs to help? Um, and now we can be a little bit more specific. So disturbed sleep is another sign that you might be under eating. Make sure you're, you know, you're taking care of your wind down routine as much as you possibly can. I know that there's things like shift work and crazy schedules and kids and all of that that makes it a little bit challenging for some people. But as much as you can control, um, control that. The other sign is um, irritability. I know this is a weird one, but like your overall mood. If you are easily irritable, if you notice that you're snapping more frequently, if you notice that uh, you like little things piss you off more like that normally wouldn't like you normally have a little bit more patience for something. And then all of a sudden you find yourself just going from like zero to a hundred, you know, like something pisses you off. You're like, man, why did I overreact like that? Um, you know, your kids are bothering you more than normal. Like there's just, there's this overall like emotional roller coaster type of feeling where you just, you know, you snap more frequently, you're grumpy more frequently. That can definitely be a sign um, along the same uh, line of thinking, uh, mental clarity is another big one. If you are at a loss for words sometimes where you're like trying to put words together and you just don't seem to have it or just lack of focus overall, you're trying to complete a task, you're trying to do something and you just notice that you have a hard time focusing. That can be another sign of under eating. So mood is, is a big one. And then I look at overall training and recovery and kind of look at the big picture there. So do I have energy through my workouts? Do I have strength through my workouts? Now, there's going to be some workouts that regardless of your nutrition, 
they're just going to be shitty workouts. It is what it is. But for the most part, you should feel pretty good. And then recovery, most importantly, if you're like crazy sore for a long period of time and that keeps happening, not just like a one-off, like you, you did a new workout, so you're really sore. That's, that's normal. But if it's a consistent lack of recovery and you find yourself like it's taking you a really long time, you're sore for a really long time, you get back in the gym and you just don't have the strength that you normally do, overall performance and recovery can be an indicator of um, not consuming enough in terms of your calories. Um, the other thing that is worth mentioning is your habits. And this one is another one that people don't typically connect the dots with because we often blame ourselves for like this lack of control, right? You snack more or you have like a binge episode or you feel like, oh, I was so dialed in, but then the weekend hit and I just ate like an animal. A lot of the habits, picking off your kid's plate, you know, you, you open up the cabinet, you grab something and you just mindlessly grab a handful of something. A lot of that can be physiological where you are under eating and your body is trying to just get what it can to restore homeostasis. So like the mindless snacking things, it's just trying to get calories and energy in any way that it can. And, and oftentimes we interpret that as like a character flaw, like, oh, what's wrong with me? Why can't I control myself? It's like, well, if you would just pay attention to what your body's communicating, it might be strictly physiological. This is like my favorite thing with our clients that we work with, with our one-on-one -on -one clients. My favorite thing is when they get on the phone with me and they tell me all of the things that's like that are wrong with them. And they're like, you know, I I restrict and binge, I have no control around certain foods, I have horrible like snacking habits, I do really well for a certain period of time, and then I just go off the rails and you know, I can't go on vacation without overindulging, all of these things. And literally just by going through a metabolic priming phase and getting them to a place of homeostatic balance physiologically without even addressing, like you guys know we are big on, on mindset. That's first and foremost, it's a foundational piece of what we do, but without even getting too deep on the mindset side of things before we, we start to assume all of these things are wrong mentally, let's just address the low hanging fruit. Let's take care of things physiologically and see what happens. And I, there's nothing that makes me happier when we start to fuel them appropriately. They're eating enough. Their metabolism starts to you know, heal. And I hate to say heal because it's not like it's broken, but like we get their metabolism back to where it should be functioning properly. And all of a sudden that stuff stops. And they're like, what just happened to me? Like, I don't even feel the urge to eat this food that I didn't have control over like three weeks ago. Like, yeah, that's because it was a physiological response. Your body was trying to get energy and you were so focused on depriving it that you were ignoring all of the signals. The writing was on the wall and you just kept ignoring it. So that's my favorite. It happens so frequently. Um, you know, this laundry list of things that they can't do and they can't control and all this stuff. And then we take care of things physiologically and all of a sudden that goes out the window. Now, of course, there are times where it is more of a mindset side of things where we do have to address their thoughts around food. We have to address you know, the, the self-sabotage tendencies, the behavioral tendencies, things like that, you know, pattern disrupts um, that we have to go through. Of course, there's times like that. But for me, it always 
uh, is, is my favorite when we just take care of it with, we do, we go through our metabolic priming, we go through our metabolic priming phase and all of a sudden that stuff goes out the window. So that's something to keep an eye on your habits, your, your snacking habits, your, you know, overindulging habits, your restricting binge habits, all of that can be a result of under eating. So, um, when you have, you know, you're, you're working towards something, you're, you're trying to achieve a goal, uh, and you start to notice some of these red flags, what do you do? So the first thing is you should know what they mean. You should know what that, like what your body is communicating and, and start with awareness, right? And then there's a couple different strategies that you can implement. First of all, you can simply just increase across the board and be like, look, there's a lot of red flags here. I need to eat more and just increase your calories and macros pretty straightforward. The other thing you can do is just take a quick cup, you know, refeed, um, excuse me, I'm like choking over here. You can take a quick back-to-back refeed where you have two days, you eat at maintenance for two days, and then you reassess and you see if that stuff went away. You can also take a full week at maintenance and, and take kind of like a little diet break, just a maintenance week. Um, you could do a full diet break where you go like, you know, two, four weeks at maintenance, or you could just take like a maintenance week and then reassess. Um, there might be a time where you're, you're sensing so many red flags that we just have to go through a priming phase. We have to get back to maintenance and, and restore homeostasis and chill there for a while and let that sit. You know, it might be three months. It depends on where you're at. It depends. Remember, I started this whole conversation with what is your starting point? So it depends on your starting point, but we might have to take time to go through a priming phase and do it properly. And it might take three months. It might take four months. Is it worth it though? Is it worth it if we were to take three to four months, get your body ready to respond to what we're doing, and then you lose the fat that you want in two months, and then we shift to more of a lifestyle approach and you know, you're know you able to maintain it and actually keep the weight off. And then you have all the tools that you need to decide, all right, do I want to go through another fat loss phase? Cool. I know how to do this. I know what's going to work and I know how to listen to my body and, and you can go on and be you know, live happily ever after. I mean, for me, it's worth it. I've experienced the other way where it's like, all right, I'm going to rip the bandaid off and then I'm back at square one and I feel frustrated and I try to rip the bandaid off again and I'm back at square one and I'm frustrated. You can definitely do it that way if you think that it'll work. Um, although I'm assuming you have a lot of evidence to suggest that that won't work, you are always entitled to your own choices. So make that choice for yourself. Um, my recommendation is Take the time, pay attention, listen to your body, do things the right way. Look, it's a lot easier to just invest in some quality coaching and not try to figure this all out on your own. If you've been trying to figure it out on your own, hopefully you're making progress and doing really well because I love that. I love to be able to uh, you know, provide information and have somebody just take it and run with it and be successful. But for most of us, myself included, we need to invest in some, some quality coaching. We need accountability. We need support. We need guidance. That makes us strong in asking for help and getting that help. So that's my recommendation. If you would like to save yourself some time, energy, frustration, money in the long run, then you can always reach out. You know where to find me. Just hit me up. Facebook, it's my name, Mike Milner. Instagram, it's at coach underscore Mike underscore Milner. Anyway, most of all, I hope this was helpful and I will talk to you guys very soon. 